to Chapter Tactics. This is your Warmer 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and normally this podcast comes to you on Tuesday mornings, every Tuesday morning. However, I want to apologize for the delayed schedule. I just want to get that out of the way now, but we're back on it. We're going to keep going every Tuesday morning until the end of time. But I'm not going to do it alone. As I brought two wonderful co-hosts with me, Mr. Brandon Grant. Good to be back again, Pablo. And the Archon himself, Scotty. Mm, the new codex is nigh soon. All right. Well, we're definitely going to have to talk about it when the embargo lifts and we'll, we talk about all the cool Dark Eldery trickery and good stuff. Yeah, well, I have no information about it yet. I'm just very excited, uh, still riding the coattails of the announcement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just assume everyone I talk to knows everything about, like, between leaks and, like, playtesters and content producers, like, it's, w- one of y'all know everything. It's just, <laughs> so nothing ever phases me. When someone's over, like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, Primaris Aggressors now have, like, five damage bolt guns. I'm like, oh, okay, that that's cool. You probably know what you're talking about, so... Anyways, uh, yeah, I actually like so far from the previews of what I've seen from the Dark Eldar Codex. Uh, it, we'll see. Space Marines are still very strong, but I'm I'm actually optimistic about the meta and the direction it's heading. Uh, we have a clear, you know, few army list tiers um, that aren't all Space Marines, and uh, Space Marines uh, definitely have a boogeyman shark in the water that they have to worry about in Harlequins specifically. Uh, so we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the technology and competitive 40k right now the gw app is probably one of the most talked about things in 40k about uh specifically in competitive 40k and that's because list building apps are so important to tournament play uh, they they make that i'd even say that if you were to remove easy access to lists and list sharing that competitive 40k could not thrive in in how it has today. That's why we pushed best coast pairing so much. That's why we love it. Even, even though they, they have messed up in the past, um, you know, I still stand by BCP just because we need a unified list, list building or list showing app along with tournament data pairing app. And we, we need something like BCP, right? And they're the only guys doing it. They're doing it well. They, you know, they buckled down, but that's why it's so important. Technology in general is really important to how competitive 40k is going to grow and evolve, uh, especially as we, you know, start to add more unique things like uh, coaching, stream services, the, just tournament coverage, um, apps. You know, there, there's there's virtual reality apps that let you see measurements. Um, and and although you know some of that software is very much science fiction, you know, in terms of it, it's very far away from being practical on the tabletop it's it's in our future it's, it's i would even argue that it's in our near future so brandon and scary technology we're, we're talking about technology brandon the android is probably the best choice well let's start with even as recent as 2014 which was the first year i attended a las vegas open and the pairings for the event were being managed by being printed and taped to the wall yeah, and some Magic events still do that. A lot of Magic events still do that now on outdated 90s software. But I cannot imagine trying to run a modern Las Vegas Open 
without some sort of pairings app on people's phones, even if it does crash the local internet sometimes, um, simply because there's not enough places you can tape things to the wall and everyone can see it in a reasonable amount of time. It's just, we need better tools if we're going to move into this new century effectively and keep improving the game of Warhammer 40,000. So yeah, the, the place that these pieces of technology really started was in ways to manage pairings for competitive events. And it's really evolved from there. Like um, there's better and better list building apps over time as well of course and now games workshop has very recently gotten in on the game trying to make an official app and smoothing out the bugs in that which is fantastic um, but i do think that the core was the management of competitive events and pairings and controlling the itc rankings and all of that so itc Credit where credit's due, I think, has really helped make competitive 40k what it is today by making it more accessible to play so you don't have to worry about all this stuff and doing it by hand. Well, it's been nice, it's been nice um, being part of that journey from like a tournament organizer's perspective who has run tournaments for many, many years. You know, and being the person who wanted to run, you know, a larger 100 person event and then know that I had to print so many pieces of paper and had to make sure I had the Excel sheet going to like make sure I didn't mess up the scores. And to now where apps are out there, you just punch in the information directly or build a list right away instead of like having to write everything down. Like it's, I've seen it from both, from a player's perspective and an organizer's perspective. And being that we live in such a technologically like advanced civilization in a lot of ways, um, it's cool that it's finally sort of caught up with the game or the game is sort of like catching up to the technology. And that's kind of neat. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to get into all that. We jumped the gun a little bit, but I, I, I think it was very important to let Brandon and Scarry talk about how important technology is to competitive 40k. So we're going to talk about that. We also have a great matchup to diagnose and break down uh, at the end of the, or at the end of the episode then the final segment, and that's um, the new segment we're adding. I haven't named it yet, but basically we're going to break down an orc and custodes list at a at a recent GT, um, and it's a really good matchup. So we're going to break down the lists, uh, the win conditions, what we think the win conditions are for both players, uh, and then I haven't told Skari and Brandon what the results were of the game, so they're going to predict the results, and then we're, they're going to find out if they were right or they were wrong. So it's going to be very exciting. Uh, I... I the lists look really cool and also is kind of a cool tournament story behind them as well too um you know they were definitely not slouch lists uh and um we'll go ahead and go with that and then also a quick announcement at the end of the year as we do now every year on chapter tactics i want to we're doing a special giveaway so during christmas we're going to be doing uh which i believe christmas is on a saturday um, I, I want to say twenty, maybe Friday. It's near a weekend, um, but we'll, we'll we'll publish a normal chapter tactics episode and do the whole the whole song and dance. Uh, but every year Christmas, I like to give away. I like to give something to uh, people, the listeners, uh, and also the patrons who have supported us throughout the entire year. Uh, and so this year, we're going to be giving away the standard uh, two painted, fully painted models um, done by our paint studio. Uh, you know, at a tabletop plus setting, which is 
nicer than you're going to see at most tournaments. Um, it's not Masterclass, but Masterclass is obviously the nicest of the nicest. Uh, and I want to paint models for you that, well, not me specifically, but I want to give you a model that you're going to use on the uh, at a tournament um, a model that you love. So it's usually a character of some kind, uh, customized to a little bit. Uh, we've had some really cool models so far. So if you want to win that, there's going to be news for that. Stay tuned to the Christmas episodes of Chapter Tactics um, to win that. And then there'll be multiple ways to win one model. And then to the patrons, I want to give away something special. So last year, I gave away a plane ticket to a flight to the tournament. And lo and behold, uh, March rolled around and there, there's, there's a little thing called COVID-19 that kind of stopped all the 40k tournaments and so unfortunately the patron who won the plane ticket uh although he was a really great guy did not redeem it so we we hooked him up hooked him up with a metric ton of mats um for and I, th I think some terrain mats for sure a lot of mats uh a plane tickets worth of mats um for his event uh using you know my my employee discount um we hooked him up and he got a lot of cool stuff out of it so this year I realize that you might not be able to go to the event you want, but I still want to give away something cool. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be a plane ticket. So this year, I'm going to give away a special prize, and it's going to be the winner's choice. Uh, they, they, if they want to fly out to the LVO in 2022, cool. I'll, I'll pay for your plane ticket. I don't care if you live in Australia, Timbuktu, wherever. I'll pay for your plane ticket. You'll come out. I might not be able to afford to put you in a hotel, but we'll see. Uh, and if that's not an option, if that's something you want to do, uh, I want to offer to give you a full terrain and mat set with potentially an, an uh, FLG product that I can't tell you um, to make that FL that terrain set spicy. Um, uh, I want to offer that to you. And then um, if not, that doesn't work, we can get some fully painted models for you. That is plural. Um, I was thinking like a $500 gift credit towards the FLG paint studio that you can use for whatever you want. Maybe you want to paint a detachment or get a really, really nice Nagash painted or Silent King, something like that, that, that is also on the table too. And then if, if those three options don't work, I don't know, I'll, I'll figure something out. Um, I think I could probably put together like a 2000 point army for that amount um, through the secondhand shop. So maybe that might be an, a, a whole army, a whole 2000 point army via the secondhand shop. So there'll be secondhand models. So they won't be new in box. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll see. Winner's choice. I, I want to help one of the patrons out. I want to give you guys that and gals that option to win that. So head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. All you have to do is be signed up for December. It's not that hard. Uh, and then you're entered to win. Uh, and then also patrons are going to get a lot of cool stuff. They're watching us live right now. They get to ask us questions live and on the Facebook group that we answer at the end of every episode. And on top of that, we're going to be giving away some really cool things to all the patrons, uh, some dice, some swag, some things in the making uh, that we're currently working on. So very, very exciting. Very good time to be a patron uh, in 2021. All right, that's enough plugging. Oh, also go to frontlinegaming.org and buy stuff because Reese told me to tell you so. All right, let's jump into the episode. Technology. Yeah, It's so important. We talked about it. Uh, let's... Let's I don't want to beat around the bush. Let's talk about the GW app. Let's talk about list building apps. Okay. We, we know they are important. There's... Anytime we use technology, Pablo, there has to be a goal behind it. So what is the goal of the GW app? So I, I think the goal of the GW app is to actually is to <laughs> legitimize, comp not competitive 40K, but legitimize 40K as a game 
in uh, in the future. It cements its place in 2021 and beyond. I, I think that's the point of the GW app. Um, it you know it's Joey stepping into the future. Obviously, there's 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 different motives, but I think overall, I think that should be the main point of the app. Um, and do you, do you guys agree with that, or what, what do you think? Well, that's way beyond what I thought it was going to be, which is, oh, this is going to speed up my list building techniques. And you're like, it's taking us into the future. <laughs> well, I think that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and I can see that, but I'm wondering what Skari thinks. Um, I think it's twofold. It like I guess the goal could be you could look at what the latent goal is versus what the like main like I guess upfront goal is in a lot of ways. Um, but I as a goal, I think it's a utilitarian, uh, utilitarian sort of like tool that makes access to the content of the game easier technically and is and and engages with a newer more tech savvy sort of like community in the game yeah absolutely see i was gonna also bring in the stat center perspective which is to say if everyone is using the same app when they submit lists i remember we had to standardize our list submissions for bcp a while back purpose for which was data mining so if we're all using the exact same app i know we've got the data mining pretty much down but it seems like a big advantage for further data mining where if you want to know what percent of the field were custodies and what is the win rate of harlequins or what is the win rate of this army versus that army you can mine all of this data that's available because it's all streamlined and in the same format that seems like a huge advantage to me. Yeah, absolutely. The potential for what they can do with the app is, with not just the GW app, but any list building app, and I'm surprised Battlescribe um, and other established 40k apps uh, haven't really jumped on the data train, right? 40k data is still very new. And well, actually, that's a tech topic that we'll definitely have to talk about as well. But, it, you, you know, the capacity to to gather all of that data and give it out to people is so valuable. Um, and GW is realizing this now, uh, and I'm seeing it on the back end, uh, kind of like in the hidden, you know, uh, web way of the, the 40K community. It, you know, everyone's starting to realize how important data is. Uh, so, Yeah, and it might be as simple as Games Workshop has a new model they're releasing like the new Space Marine land speeder model. And they can farm the GW app to see how many Space Marine lists are including the new model. And if it's too many or too few, they can start making adjustments because they'll have data to back up their decision. You know, I think data itself is definitely a very important tool to have as a company. So I could see that being more of the, like, I guess it's both. And we could... Companies mine our data from our phones, regardless of what we do. Um, you know, so I guess it's it's smart for them because then they kind of give us more of what we want slash what's good for the company, therefore giving us better like interaction with the game. And over time, it, I guess it'll just be more real, I guess, or just like more organic in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and um, 
I don't, I don't think GW, so like here's, there's a conspiracy theory going around and it's been going around since I've been in competitive for, been in 40k actually. And that's the idea that GW manipulates or writes rules to sell models. Um, and I, I think it's a complete fallacy because if, because if they, they did do that, um, things like the fire strike servo turret would be flying off the shelves and it'd be sold out all the time, right? Like why wouldn't, why wouldn't they make, you know, specific bad sellers OP um, when they can't? It's, I think it's really just more of like a darts, throw, or them throwing darts at a dartboard versus an actual conspiracy. However, if they were to start data mining their GW app and looking at what, fa- what l- units are being listed or not, that's a great indicator of what units people just don't like. Like, I guarantee you there's like a bottom five least used units in the GW app. Like, if you were to get billions of lists and put them all together, I guarantee you there's like at least three units or three data slates that just laughably never get used. It's, it's comedic. That happens in gaming everywhere. You know, like League of Legends, Magic, even chess. Like, there's there's openings, there's chess openings that just never get seen. There's some chess openings that exist that don't have any tournament game records whatsoever in the hundreds and hundreds of years of turn- chess tournament records that there are. That's because they're just, they're bad. They're not used. They're not good. Right? So, GW can look at that and actually be able to determine, determine which units could use a little sprucing up. Whether that's through rules or new models, that's up to them to decide. But that just knowing that knowledge is so valuable. Yeah. Um, and I think they should start doing some of that, some of that conspiracy theory stuff. But to your point, Pablo, I think that taking us into the future is using these apps as a way to harvest data about the game in order to make more informed decisions about how to keep the game where it's supposed to be wherever that happens to be for Games Workshop. So if it is a conspiracy to sell more of the new models, they're going to do that more effectively. If it's a conspiracy to make the game as fun to play as possible, they're going to do that. If it's a conspiracy to make the game as competitive and balanced as possible, they'll do that. Whatever it is that they want to move towards, they'll at least have a better tool to decide on where to go. Now, how effectively they move towards that is another matter, but at least with data collection, they have a better idea of where where they are versus where they want to be. Yeah, I agree with that. Now let's talk about so let's get down a little bit more into the GW app. So so we we talked about the potential of it, and I think I don't think there's any rational person that can argue that the potential of the GW app has a high ceiling, right? It's just it just does like it's GW can just do so much with it because it's literally their IP, it's their game. I also think that most rational people can agree that they haven't executed on it as well as they could have. Um, and to what degree, you can argue that all you want. The The internet is definitely raking them over the coals, so I, I'm not going to dogpile onto that specific argument. But I don't think we can avoid the fact that you know they haven't reached that potential yet. And obviously they're still in beta mode, so I wouldn't necessarily expect them to. So... Let's talk about Battlescribe, let's talk about GW app, the GW app, and let's talk about just army lists in general. What do you think the community wants out of a good army list army list tech? Right? So putting Battlescribe and GW app aside for a second, what do you two think the community wants and needs now that we we're transitioning into this, you know, 
future futurification of 40k of competitive 40k i think that ease of use comprehensive like interface um is like some of the biggest things you know most people just want it to be quick easy and like to get most of the information easily accessible for not like a great amount of cost i'd say my number one priority is consolidation of information so at a certain point in eighth i needed my um, psychic awakening book for my army i needed my main army list um, i needed an extra errata for my army uh, and then I needed the latest FAQ from that year with the chapter approved book. So my backpack's getting pretty heavy just carrying around all the books I need to figure out how much my army costs and how it plays on the table. So my hope for any digital format would be automatic consolidation of all of that information in one location so that every time I open whatever the piece of software is, I don't have to worry that it's there's an FAQ hiding somewhere that updated the power levels that isn't in my book. Um, it's it's there. It's all in one place. Yeah, I think you both hit the the virtual nail on the head. Um, I I I mean, there's other things, right? Uh, Jason in the patron chat said that stability and reliability that's important. I agree. But you should already, you should get that out of any any app, especially one made by GW. So. But I think it's specifically for a Warhammer 40k list building app. Absolutely. Uh, you, you need to consolidate the information that you get. Um, and then it needs to be user friendly. Like, like I, I actually think the GW app is more friend, user friendly in terms of building than the Battlescribe app. I, I want to see like something even more simple. Like I want like a drag and drop. You, are you too familiar with the tier maker uh, software or, or web browser? that like some youtubers use it's like it's like uh you tier there's like red to green squares and then you just drag pictures into into tier lists it's it's really common they're really common youtube videos mm, no yes i've seen them basically i would like to see something like that where you just the points are like superimposed over an image of the unit with like the name and then you just drag it into like a detachment slot and it's just like boom tier. boom boom not like a tier just just a detachment slot something something where you can kind of manipulate pictures it's i don't know um i, I understand that that's probably really difficult um but from there's a certain point where we don't need information on on the list we just need the list we need it in its purest simplest form and i feel like building your list that's where you should start you should you should obviously have access to all that information and the rules and all that stuff, but that that should be secondary because there gets there's a point when every competitive, especially competitive 40k player, knows in general the rules and everything about them, and they just want to build lists. And if they build like if they have the ability to build like 20 lists rapid fire, I feel like that's more valuable than having everything be granular um, and and precise. This is my two cents. I, I don't I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but that's I do like the idea of a graphical interface, especially when we're using smartphones with touch screens. So you can do things like hold on icons or double tap on icons to get different commands like copy this unit or open this menu. So that sounds really slick and appealing. Um 
I don't see any problem with trying to create something like that. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I think that's important. Uh, I th for specifically for competitive play, maybe not for a crusade. And I, I don't know about, I, I, frankly, it's not that I don't care. I just, I don't know. Um, but for competitive 40k, I think get, making it as simple as possible is probably the most critical. And then, of course, updating rules um, and consolidating all that information um, is is huge too. So that, that's I'm just saying. This is my long way of saying I agree with you both. I think we don't need to actually hit up any further, hit that topic any further. Now, tournament tracking. Uh, that's another technology that we haven't mastered yet as a community. But if I look at like if I look like Magic the Gathering and X-Wing and even chess and some of the other board game, tabletop game, eSport uh, games in terms of pairings data, I haven't seen anyone that's actually, a, a lot of people that are actually as far as uh, competitive 40K. Like B, the BCP app, it has flaws, right? But it's so much better than what X-Wing has, Star Wars X-Wing has. And I know I love that community. I know there are a lot of really good leaders in the Star Wars X-Wing community, um, and I know they hate the BCP app. So if any of them hear me, and I'm sure some of you do, um, please don't rake me over the coals. Let me finish my argument first, and then you can rake me over the coals in like, the Fly Better podcast groups and whatnot. It's not a big deal. But what the, the concept of BCP, the, the ranking, the unified universal area to find lists, what Peter has been able to do with 40kstats.com just because of BCP, that's not something that you find very often in communities. It's just, it's very difficult to do. Even Magic does it really, Magic does other things really well, but specifically like pairings and consolidating all the tournaments together into one app, even Magic just barely moved to like an online pairing software where you can find your pairings at a tournament. It, you know, it's just what BCP didn't accomplish. And I don't know if it's because that's what competitive 40k needed or that was the vision that they had. Something like that. That's that's huge. Um, specifically for keeping a community together and showing people what the best lists are, right? Or what the best things are. Well, that that's also true. However, I will say that being someone at the forefront of like try like helping BCP get sort of like accepted, especially here in Canada, it's not easy, you know, to like get people to try new things and to, you know, I don't want to say think outside the box, but really to use a tool that they might not be comfortable with. If if you're a store owner that sort of like runs an event, you know, every month or whatever, and you and you pull out your trusty old like you know computer and have like your little app like your little sort of software that your friend helped you build or whatever and you know you seem to and you're comfortable i mean it's it's not easy to be like hey by the way you should totally check this out because this is going to make your events better right yeah and i love the bcp guys they're they're personal friends of mine um uh you know i still bcp has made my pod my life as a content creator a lot easier so i, I don't i mean this with the most respect possible but you know the bcp app it's really what makes it so critical the success of kind of 4k is not the app itself it could it could be any app right the the name itself doesn't matter it's that everyone uses it and that's the most important thing that's what bcp is doing and that's why i support them even even when they mess up right obviously obviously we want them to improve and grow but the most important thing and the way you're going to get the most value out of that for a community is 
you need everyone on the same page. You need the entire community to use this one thing, right? Or, or at least the majority of it. And BCP accomplished that, which which is pretty impressive. Uh, and, you know, that's why we have things like 40kstats.com and we're able to give GW the, the stats that they need to write them in the meta the meta watch articles on the warmer community page um, and why we have top players and we know who they are and why they're able to produce content uh, and uh, why they they're, they're able to show people th- this is also the ITC too it's like the ITC and BCP combo <clears throat> so anyways I think I think that's critical I think that's important agreed yeah I don't have anything um, to add to that yeah. yeah so let's just keep doing it Keep working at it. The reliable internet thing, that, that's the other thing, right? It, that on the technology side, um, I don't I don't know how to make something like that more reliable for like tournaments for, for ease of use to really get everyone in on it, right? Because the, the, the next step isn't necessarily establishing the software because we have it. The next step is making it so that anyone can run this software, period. And and everyone loves using it. It's like this is this is our thing. This is Coca Cola, uh, or I guess it's Sprite and Pepsi. You know what I mean. Everyone everyone loves it. Everyone has it. Everyone uses it because that's what we really need is for everyone to constantly be on it. Um, and I I don't know how we're going to do that as a community. Um, I personally the vision I see is like player profiles, um, either in BCP or in the ITC or whatever that that you use to customize yourself. Think like um internet forums when you when you um have like a cool online tournament like a a tabletop simulator tournament and then on the internet forum if you win that tournament for the day you get like a badge that you can show off something like on discord or um whatever something like that badges swag uh virtual swag uh to show off your accomplishments um tied to a profile that you can upload your own lists into um so you don't have to worry about building a list the day of it's already uploaded into your profile and then uploaded into the tournament um all that stuff yes i think player profiles i think are the next step in that specific realm digital trophies sound pretty cool to me i would love digital trophies like i think that would be i think that'd be as a community more positive than than a lot of things that that people are currently working on i think that's also very difficult too to make player profiles successful, everyone needs to have a player profile, yep. and then it needs to be heavily regulated. And again, it needs to be all in one system. Yeah, yes. it has to be one system, and then yeah, no, I, it's not. Wouldn't be easy, that's for sure. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, ultimately, that would be the thing that we kind of like would all really want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Now let, let's uh, go ahead and. Back away from the macro level, head down to the micro level of playing the game of Warhammer 40k and using technology to improve the game. So I think, now this is a theory I have, I think the more technology we put into a game of Warhammer 40k inherently that that we use universally as a community, the easier it's going to be to present it to newer people and market it to... um, Oh, like a universal online audience. So like things like chess clocks, dice apps, um, uh, virtual measuring sticks, um, objective markers that, that with like QR codes on them, things like that. Um, I think those make, make the game easier and more presentable to people. Do you guys agree with that or not? I do agree with that. 
I See, think it's easier to present it and to make it more sort of like appealing to a grander audience. 100%. As long as the technology makes the game easier and more fun, then it's successful at the goal, which is I want to have a good time playing this game. But if my digital tape measure on my phone is, you know, takes too much effort to use or is inconsistent, as in it doesn't work very well, well, then the traditional tape measure is better. But if I whip out the phone, press a button, and it tells me I am 13.4 inches away from that model, from my model, every time, um, that is super useful and great. And it would get rid of so many arguments. There's been so many games I've had where I try and measure very precisely, and I've still had to call judges over and have them confirm a measurement a few times, just because when it's a 0.1 inch difference, sometimes arguments are there. So if there's an app that's the end-all be-all and it's always super precise, heck yeah, that'd be super helpful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so now, what we have right now, I'm just going to list off some of the technologies that we have regularly that we use. And then we could talk about them just kind of improving them holistically. So first off, chess clocks. Chess clocks are not perfect. Um, I personally think that everyone should use them anyways, um, just because of the type of competitive 40k they they um, are basically what they intend the game to be on a competitive 40k standpoint, right? So you, you can make the argument that chess clocks, you know, enable like toxic players, toxic abusive players to take advantage of their opponent by bullying them using the chess clock. But you, toxic abusive players will do that with anything anyways, uh, you know, chess clock or not. Um, and on top of that, if everyone knows how to use a chess clock properly, those players lose their edge. They're, the the players who abuse chess clocks, they, they rely on their opponent not knowing how to use a chess clock and not being able to defend their, their time, right? So if everyone knows how to use a chess clock and um, has the... the uh, confidence or, or authority or backed by authority or whatever to defend themselves like these are regulations you're not following them in terms of using the chess clock i don't think we ever have to worry about it at all so having said that i i think chess clocks are imperfect um i think i don't know how we'd fix that uh timing games or timing players and their decisions is i think really important um and i don't know how we'd improve on chess clocks either uh, beyond having like, I don't know. Well, I I'm it's for hard. one. Sorry, I had a little. Uh, I drank water and it went the wrong way on my esophagus, uh -huh. so I do apologize. Um, however, I love chess clocks. I'm a huge, huge fan of them, um, and I find them to be a very, very useful tool. Um, you know, I think the most frustrating thing for me when like trying to play a game competitively is when I run out of time. And it's not because I've run out of time. And it's and it's I like being able to finish a game, you know, with all the time that uh was allotted to me, basically. You know, and I think that it's fair that each player gets half of the time, especially because each player is different and you know what I mean? I think yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, as and once you get used to it, it's actually not terrible. You just have to like the first couple times you use it. It's like, it's it's not easy. You know what I mean? Like it gets 
it can be like nerve-wracking to deal with a chest lock. Let me give your esophagus a break, Scary. I think I get your point. You're saying that whatever the disadvantages of the chest clock, it's solving a real problem that's more serious than its drawbacks. The problem being my opponent took 80% of the time and we were only able to finish two turns. Neither one of us had a good time. Yes. Yeah, I think that's also the, the uh, that's also what I got from Scary as well. Now, um, I agree. Uh, I think I I I think the most frustrating thing for me is um, not necessarily running out of time, but uh, winning a game because my opponent or losing a game because my opponent took more time than me or unfairly took more time than me. Like if if I took like twenty minutes on the final turn and my opponent got zero minutes and then the game ended, I would feel awful. Um, ditto with with Scary with the reverse thing too. They're both feel bad moments, and that's kind of what the chess clock is really preventing. It's not it's not necessarily you know regulating the game. It's it's a tool that both players can use to make the game fair because the game is not fair played inherently um, without chess clocks, right? Because there is no rules in the game that tell your opponent they can't take up the whole time. Um, and with tournaments, you can't, you just can't do that. You can't have, this isn't chess where you can, you know, or I guess chess in the sixties where you could take like a day off or, or, you know, call an adjournment and then come back like, you know, five hours later or took however long it needed to or whatever. Right. It was, it was very specific and precise. So chess clocks, I think for now are needed. Um, I would love to see like, if there's ever, you know, knock on wood, uh, professional tournament circuit. I would love to see something a little more advanced implemented where um, each player has a specific amount of time and then uh, there is a zone of influence and not a zone of influence over the board. So basically the players, whenever they like lean over onto the board, their clock starts. So that means that they're like pre-measuring, they're doing stuff. Um, and then to stop your opponent, you have to like stick your hand in the board or something like that. Something that something that that's automatic that's basically the next step from chess clocks is uh you're removing the the player or the human error and it's just something that's automatic that tracks both players times uh but that's that's like to me that's like science fiction shit so that's not super possible i just wanted to throw it out there in case there is some like tech wizard who's like oh i've been working on that like if you're listening to this podcast please keep working on it whoever you are yeah, my idea is an augmented reality glass where when you move your model too far, it has a red glow around it. That would be great. That'd yeah, be, awesome. be awesome. I mean, even just playing 40k, like, obviously tabletop simulator isn't a good medium, but I think even playing something like virtual warm or 40k, um, like something like Magic Arena, how, how that kind of really took over, I think that there's, like, grounds for viability there. But, you know, you know I, that's, like, far in the future, and I, I'm not even necessarily sure. I don't think tabletop 40K is ever going to go away, even if that were to become a thing, um, just because of how many people love the tabletop games specifically. So, anyways, uh, dice apps. Um, I don't want to spend too long on dice apps. I think we can agree they're just, they're good. I'll just say very basically that from the research I've done, um, you theoretically with some of the weirder ones could modify the source code to change the random results but if you did it would be pretty obvious because someone could look at the same code and see oh that's not supposed to be there on top of that uh, most of these apps are deterministic so they're not actually random 
but they're actually fairer than real dice because real dice are not they're random but they're not actually fair because they're real objects and they can never be perfect unlike a computer code so 99 percent of the time a dice app is more reliable and fair than using real dice it's just way less uh, uh the word i'm looking for is fun um, when you press a button on the app and it says you rolled 26 three ups as opposed to taking a giant pile of 36 dice and throwing them down onto the table. I feel like I, I heard everything you said, but the thing that stuck with me, I feel like saying something along the lines of like, ooh, baby, your code is perfect beyond reality is like a great pickup line for our AI girlfriends in the future. Um, I, I, you said it so eloquently. I think you're practicing for sure. I'm joking, Brandon. But anyways. I am um, a machine pop. <laughs> you, know. you know, it's a really good pickup line, Brandon. If you ever need to use it in the future, the singularity happens. It's golden. You got my, my seal of approval there. I'm but, happily married, but I might use that line anyway. <laughs> but anyways, um, I, I do absolutely agree with you, Brandon. I think that, I think that for sure, um, it would be really obvious. It, I don't necessarily know about the like the source code thing. Um, I'm not a, a tech savvy person, a pro, you know, like someone who could actually go in there and you know check that. But I, I also think that it wouldn't matter if they were cheating if both players used the dice app. Like, you know, it's it's just uh, there's a little bit of a gray area there. But if my opponent's dice app rolled like a lot of sixes, and I, you know, I was like, okay, I think this guy's cheating. Like, I just use a two. Like, you know, like maybe, maybe he'd have an advantage over me or they'd have an advantage over me, but I don't know. Also, of course there's, you know, we could solve that simply by making official apps only uh, usable. Um, That's, that's the easiest way to fix it. From my research, one of the big drivers of this is remote D&D sessions. So you want to know that when the player gives you a, a dice roll result that they were legit and they didn't just roll the die seven times until they got a successful result. So there are third-party internet websites where, as a player in a D&D game, you can roll once, the app knows you rolled once, and send it to the dungeon master, and you're not allowed to re-roll. Like, the dungeon master gives you, hey, I need you to roll this. You click the button and roll it, and the DM gets it, and there's no way to fudge it because of the way it's built. So if you have a purpose-built dice rolling app for 40k, and it's official then yeah it's not hackable and it's official it's going to be fairer than dice it's just going to be less fun absolutely 110 percent. dice apps are are, uh i think very important um especially when we start getting into um time sensitive high-end competitive games uh dice apps are can be really critical yeah when i need uh, to roll 160 las gun shots from my first rank fire second rank fire um, against a single Dark Eldar flyer. Um, dice Just do it on the net. It's like when you had, or, you know, like the horrors. I got 90 horror shots. You're like, okay, well, you could just do them and waste all this time or just put them into the app. It's one of the reasons I really like the GW app when it was a thing. I miss that you app. You know, until it kind of like got, you know, I guess it got hacked what or something or something happened app? and then it just fell out of use. I yeah, guess. it went unsupported, and now you can't get it anymore. Yeah, yeah, I I still have it on an on an unupdated iPad in my office. Um, that I actually always forget to bring to tournaments, but 
I don't know why it just stopped. It was a really good app. Uh, maybe it didn't make them any money. I would definitely, I would gladly spend, you know, $10 to buy an app like that or something. Just, it's just like certified, guaranteed, official, you know. And then the other thing too, I, I, anyway, so I could go on and on about about why that app should have stuck around. But um, I think I think that's it. Are there any other, before we move on to uh, the patron questions, or I guess the next segment and then the patron questions, uh, and uh, is there anything else you two would want to add uh, on this main topic before we move on? Games Workshop, please make a dice app and make yeah, it so it has your... cool sound effects and so that you can put <laughs> rules into it like Modaka. You can say Modaka applies to this die roll and it just automatically rolls more dice for you. That would be amazing. <laughs> or make it a voice activated. Hey, GW, oh. dice app, roll 120 dice with a re-rolling once, you know? Oh my Boom. god, that's Instant. amazing. Get Alexa in there, Alexa involved yeah. in there. You done know what, forget, forget GW, uh, Amazon, <laughs> just just have Alexa have a dice app feature. Just like, Alexa, roll me 22 D6s. You're welcome for the idea. I the... expect <laughs> Alexa. one of in the mail. Wow. <laughs> Alexa Wah. Yeah, yeah. She just rolls 200 dice. <laughs> well, it'd be cool if you could just like program in your own voice commands, right? Think about it. You'd be yeah. like, every time, kind of like, you know, when you're programming your phone to like auto dial or something, you'd be like, call mom or whatever. Then just they saying. call your mom. Oh, yeah. so you could potential. totally be like, you know, uh, roll in your face. And, you know, that could be like, you know, <laughs> Ten sanguinary guard like murdering something or whatever. I initiate know. initiate reanimation protocols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, save gear. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, yeah. I'll... Prepare to frustrate opponent. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Amazon, don't do this. We're we're gonna take this instead. <laughs> just uh, anyways, that's amazing. Um, oh, now I'm just thinking about. I wish I was a software engineer. Make stuff like this. Anyways, uh, that's great. I think we're good on this topic though. So, um, real quick, we're gonna move to ad ads uh listen to those advertisers buy stuff from them uh or not uh, but if you do we get extra bonuses so please do uh and then youtube sorry but you also get those ads as well uh hopefully they're good uh and then we'll see you at the end of the break this episode is brought to you by hp instant inc no one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. All right, and we're back. All right, so hopefully you like those ads. Uh, we're gonna jump right into the matchup um, segment of the podcast. Now, um, this is a segment I want to do kind of at the end of every podcast. Shouldn't take that long, uh, but basically, one good exercise I've always found with keeping my head in the game when I, when I really want to be competitive is breaking down win conditions. Every game has win conditions, no matter what it is. Um, I use this specifically for, and don't laugh, uh, competitive Pokemon battling. <laughs> it's kind of like... Anyway, I'm not going to explain it. I use it for that, and it actually works very, very well. Um, it also works well for League of Legends, for your lane matchups, and um, uh, works really well for Warhammer 40k. Um, and so... 
using you know defining your win conditions uh, mapping out the pre-game what you're going to build or what what your game plan is what stratagems are you want to use or don't want to use what you're highlighting your opponent's uh win conditions and their high threats all of that's important to use and that's something that anyone can do you don't have to use it for your own lists you can use it for other people's lists and other matchups all you need is two lists uh and then obviously like you need to pick what rules you're using but that's easy you're using the match play gw rules because that's what everyone's using now so all you need is two lists compare them you figure it out now uh in the past we've used this for two um two lists from the magic harpies fly bracket tournament um we're not using those lists now because uh they're frankly uh in have they're already uh, pretty much almost done um i think they're in the semifinals now uh and uh, i wanted to mix it up with some of the some of the factions that we haven't talked about yet so i picked two lists uh, the matchup has already been played. It's between an orc list and a custodes list. I like both lists. I think they both look very interesting. Uh, and the game was close. So Brandon and Skari. We're going to talk about the lists. We're going to talk about the win conditions for both players. Maybe what's, what secondaries they pick. Um, the threats. How the lists match up. And then both of you are going to pick who you think won the game. With scores, if you're feeling feisty. And then I'm going to tell you to who won the game, actually, what the points was, and then that's it. This is a really cool game. The The Custodes player um, was 4-0 going into, uh, I'm sorry, was 3-0 going into round 4. The Orc player was also 3-0 going into round 4. Both of these players finished in the top 10 with one loss each. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you who lost, but one of them won this match and then played in the top table in the final round and lost that one. So both players went X and one. Um, so that doesn't give anything away. Uh, and this was fought at the, if you want to listen to the, if you want to just go ahead and pull up the matchup, you can. This was fought at the mid MO Maelstrom GT with 50 players and November 14th. I wanted to pick something a little earlier, uh, but th there's just not a lot of tournaments going on right now. It's just, it's very, very, you know. At this time at the end of the year, um, and with COVID ramping up too, it's, we're not going to have a lot of tournaments. Um, so, pick this list or pick this matchup. It's very very good. Uh, the the Custodes and Orc player both look like really good players, and they both have just gotten you know done raffle stomping their opponents. This was the top table on round four, right? So these are both the two highest scoring players through three rounds, um, and. Anyways, so let's go into the list. First list is going to be the, as soon as it loads, doo -doo -doo -doo, the, that's not the right list. It's okay. This is my, I had it preloaded, but when your phone locks, I sense your phone jet unlocks. bikes in your future. Uh, yes. I sense oh. some grots in your future. It's it's because, it's because, yes, anyways, it's <laughs> definitely, all right, here we go. So this is the orc list, um, uh, clan culture slash death, death skulls list, uh, one big mech with a custom force field, Gazgolth, Raka, and a weird boy in a battalion uh, with three min units of Gretchen, one uh, min unit of commandos with stick bombs, um, four, five mega knobs, uh, with kill saws, one mega track scrap jet. Uh, excuse me, a unit of three mega track scrap jets. 
Um, a unit of three Shock Jump Dragstas. I didn't know they were so cheap, actually. That's really cool. Uh, Bone Breaker, who is a Death Roller with uh, a Fork Triss on it. Um, two units of Mech Guns. And that is the... Oh, and a Pain Boy with a Plower Claw and a Clan Culture Detachment. And I imagine that's just to get something cool and fancy uh, for the Pain Boy. So that is the list. Uh, Mega Knobs in a a uh, battle wagon or i'm sorry uh the bone the bone breaker mega knobs and bone breaker uh with i actually don't know what bone breaker is uh, orc players don't get mad at me i don't know your codex i promise most of you don't know basically any a battle well. wagon with a death roll on the front that's that's what i thought it was because the death roll has a battle anyways it's also the fortress on it so that means that it it holds it holds dudes and protects them it's not open top. Fortress or gives it a better save, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, makes it, That's what it, did in the makes past. it better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, so this is this is actually a really, really nasty list. The shock jump dragsta and the the Megatrack scrap jets are so good. Well, they're, for one they're, thing, they're super fast. Yeah, the they they hit pretty hard. Um they're really, really good. Uh I think that they're good replacements for orcs uh boys specifically. Um in that they they just they throw their weight around the board. They're hard to kill. They don't have as many wounds, but they're still, you know, they have a lot of wounds when you combine them all together. And I like the um, commandos and Gretchen for screening. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you've got Gazgol in there. Um, Gazgol really, really, uh, he's just really good. He's just like a... a Gazgol's amazing. Oh, Absolutely yeah. amazing. Gazgol is a boss. Especially in yep. armies that only participate in one or two phases of the game. Say that again, Brandon? If armies only participate in one or two phases of the game, he's way better. Yes, absolutely. Uh, same thing, he, he fills the role of a of a um, Satan, a Necron Satan, but he buffs your army. Um, he's, he's really good for cheaper, too. For 50 points cheaper, but he's still cheaper. Um, and then the second list, this is the Custodes list. All right. Uh, this is going to be a um, Shadow Keeper's Shield Host. Uh... With uh, Don Eagle, two shield captains on Don Eagle jet bikes, um, one with the uh, unstoppable destroyer whirler trait, um, and then uh, the other with the eagle's eye, one with the orc Aquila's relic as well, and then another with the eagle's eye uh, and ten thousand here superior creation ten thousand heroes. Um, kitted out two sh- kitted out shield captain Don Eagle jet bike characters, three Sagittarium custodians with Misericordias. Um, so, uh, three units of two. Can you take them in units of two? I thought they were three. I thought it was, it looks like three. It looks like three. I, I'm pretty sure you cannot do that. But, um, it, I'm probably just reading it wrong. But, uh, three, three Sagittarium, three units of Sagittarium Custodians in the Troop Choice. Um, uh, big unit of Alaris Custodians with Castellanax. Uh, Vexilus Praetor. Two Palace Grav Tanks. Uh, a big unit of Venetari custodians. Those are the jet bike dudes. Uh, and then one Telamon with two Elastius Accelerator Culverins. Um, so that is the list. Um, I'm looking up I like the it Sagittarium right now. Yeah, this it's, Sagittarium are my favorite troop choice for custodians. But that's coming from somebody who's a fan of shooting armies. Yeah, th- those are the those are the 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 little guys, right? This like the scout guys. Yeah, I thought the Sagittarium had the heavy bolters. They're the ones that have the yeah the heavy bolters. Sets, okay, basically. they have the heavy bolters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, those those are really good. Those are put really good amounts of shooting. Um, 
You obviously have an Alar custodian bomb. You've got two palace grav tanks for some for some zoning. Uh, the Venatari, I I'm super unfamiliar with the Venatari. Uh, they are armed with kinetic destroyers and Tarsus uh, bucklers. Um, so that means they have the. You know what? I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna bother. I don't know. I'm just gonna get my Forge World index, which actually isn't here. Yeah, there's um, usually how it works. Some interesting things about these lists is that they're playing units that an eighth you would never see. Yes, absolutely. Um, an eighth, the Custodes list, the Custodes list was, you know, vehicle heavy and some troops, and then maybe a Lars Custodians if you're feeling really good. Uh, luckily, I have it. It's nice to see a return to the uh, Smash Captains on Jet Bikes equivalent. They are, re- they are actually really, really strong. They are, and uh, especially in endgame conditions, if one of those guys is running around on the table, you're in trouble because they will solo units on their own. And there's a way, like, you can make them so strong. Like, with the amount of upgrades that you can give them, they are fair, they are nigh unkillable. Like, very, very hard to kill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, the, unless, of course, you have Maliceptors. <laughs> that's, that's it. No, no, that's that was, that was pre, like, what you're able oh, to do with them right now. Or 8th edition. Yeah, now you're, right. you're able to do some like pretty legit stuff with them. Just saying. Oh yeah, they've they've access to a lot more stuff. But, but yeah, the, those shield captains are really good. I really like the list. Um, I'm lo- looking at the Telemon right now just because I don't know what the illustrious uh, culverins do. Um, they are the heavy four strength seven AP three two damage. So he's got eight strength seven AP three two damage. Uh, eight space marine killing shots. Um, on a big, fat old T8 to a Barber Save 14 wound body. Uh, that is pretty good. That's uh, reasonable. It's expensive, but, uh, you know, it's like 300 points, so it's not it's not crazy, 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 um, you know, expensive. Uh, and it, it kills, like, Eradicators pretty quickly. Um, eradicators do kill it, but that's okay. Now, um, the thing about the Custodes versus Orc matchup, we need to look at specific units, right? So which mm-hmm. units are the key units that both armies need to deal with the other one? And what are the objectives that they're going to pull off? So, for example, the key unit for the orcs, I think, are actually the Meganobs. For one reason. With that Telemon outfit, uh, the Custodes player really doesn't have much that can reliably disintegrate the Crusha tank in one shooting phase because it's T8. So I'm worried that in this matchup, those uh, mega knobs are going to be able to get a charge off on something juicy, especially if uh, Gazgul is supporting them. That could be a big problem for the Custodes player because he's going to need two rounds of shooting and the Orc player isn't going to give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Orc player is definitely going to be in his face. Um, I-, I also... Oh, go ahead, Scarry. It's one of the reasons I like... Um, like when you're playing with Custodes, I'm a big fan of those salvo launchers. Which ones? The salvo on the launchers on bikes? bikes, yeah, because they allow you to get some anti-tank uh, range, especially against like stuff that flies with like the Eldar and stuff. Yeah, actually, I didn't, pretty, I didn't see if he snazzy. had salvo launchers or not. Yeah, I'm just saying I, I'm, they I'm are. I'm sure a good he tool. did. Oh yeah, they're. But um, let's go ahead and check real quick. Uh, there are. Yep, there's salvo launchers on them. Of course. Um, yeah, I I agree. The the custodians list. Minus the salvo launchers uh, is missing some anti tank. Now that Telemon is killing a single mega trap scrap jack or equivalent uh, a turn, 
Uh, for sure. Uh, maybe not a turn, but he's definitely, you know, making it so he's that one is nearly dead. pretty good against anything that's T6 or less and doesn't have an invul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those those are four up save T6 or less nine wound models. So um, the, the Telamon, and I also don't think the Telamon's dying. Um, I th- obviously, unless the Mega Knobs get to him, which um, the Mega Knobs, I, I don't think they can kill a T8 model that well, not without, not with the Saws. Well, um, it's just the, the volume, right? Like, and the good and the decent AP. They're just like it'll it'll add up over the course. And they of don't the game. need to kill it instantly. The things yeah, melee attacks in return do not scratch Megadobs. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, th- so th- this game becomes a uh, a game of can my can you know can I weigh you down with my vehicles and then can my um my mega trap or my i'm sorry my my little elite units like my mega knobs maybe my defrola my um gasgol uh, the mech guns can they kill your little elite units more efficiently so that my vehicles have are basically can go on yeah i can see why this is a close match too because the custodies player is no slouch with that um terminator squad that can come in with their axes uh, and some of the custody yeah, strats are just brutal, where they can teleport Homer on top of the Vexilla and still charge. Yep. Yep. Um, or um, freaking um, Tanglefoot Grenade, my favorite strat ever. It, that is a very, very powerful, powerful yeah, strat. Yeah, so the Orc player has to be careful with the Meganob charges, because if he charges near infantry, uh, he might not make it if it's a long charge. So I can see why this mm, game was really close. Almost guaranteed not make it. Both like, players it's not a maybe. Both players have the tools they need to trade a lot of units really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think both these lists match up really well too. Uh I think the orc player so going into this game, um uh I definitely gave the orc player an advantage. Um and I also could see the Custodius player winning too. So but but I leaned towards uh, the orc player winning as well. Um and what do you two think in terms of who has an advantage here or not? What mission did they play? Uh, this was um, mission number four. Uh, four? There's uh, no mission the fourth four. one. Round four. Fourth one. Either way, I don't know if the mission would make too big of a difference per se. The biggest thing is, I want to know if it's a hold two or a hold one, right? I think that's like the biggest, the biggest game changer here. Simply because the orcs have the ability to sort of like out score the 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 heavily armored um custodies. I don't think they can do it for long though, because the troops choices for the custodes are just gonna gun down all the Groths in pretty quick order here. On top of that, the orc player has a lot of vehicles that give up two points each when you kill them. So taking the secondary of bring it down or shoot the big ones, whatever it is, uh, where you get two points for each of those. That's actually a totally reasonable objective to mm-hmm. take into the I orcs. Agree. So I think that the Custodes player has a little bit easier time with the secondaries because of that. Now, I don't think you can max it out. I think I don't think the Custodes player is going to be able to kill... Because You need no. to get five... But you'd get like you 14 points vehicles. if you kill all the orc vehicles. Yes, yeah. Um, I think I think you probably reasonably kill four to five, um, if if you if you devote everything to doing it, uh, which to be fair you might want to do anyways because because you know they are they do make up the bulk of the orcs wounds right so that they are going to 
do the most at zoning and, you know, getting in your face and tying you up. So, um, the mech guns, I believe, are also vehicles too. Yeah. So, so no, he would so give those, up full points if you killed enough. Yeah. Um, so I could definitely, and you, you're definitely going to get on those mech guns with the Benatari. Uh, the Telamon can go in there and kill them. Uh, there's definitely ways for the for those mech guns to get die. They're not de- they're not safe. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what secondaries would you would you pick as the orc player? Actually, for both players, um, probably engage on all fronts for both players. They're going to be orcs should I definitely be all, spread out all over the place. Engage on all fronts for orcs for sure. Definitely, they go everywhere, especially with all the small units. Uh, I think I would take Scramblers as Orcs, because I have enough small, low power level units that I can just outflank the commandos into your deployment zone and you won't be able to stop me. Mm -hmm. That's what they're there for. Yep. I think the Custodius player is going to have a a hard time on his hands, yeah. I'm not sure if the Custodius player can pull off the same thing, just because when you're Custodius, all of your units are so elite. You really don't want to spend actions when you could just be blowing away the enemy with your elite unit. Yeah, I, th- I think the Custodius player probably takes um, engage engage on all fronts and uh, and um, the the one where the, you keep uh, your the, most the expensive one. models alive. Uh, while we stand, uh, yeah, we that's, fight. That's while we stand, we fight. So that's the Telamon, and the, the Custodes, the jump captains, the jetpack captains. The Venatari guys? Yeah, the Orc player is really going to struggle to take those three models down. Okay. Yeah, so well, that would be almost a guaranteed oh, the three 15 single, points there. The three single most expensive yes, models? Yes, individual models. Oh, it's not units. Oh, okay, I see. So Okay, so so yeah, so two John Eagle jet bikes and the Telamon. Yeah, that, that would actually be very difficult for the Orc player to kill. And I think he's um, built his list with that objective in mind. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I, th- I agree with you 100%. So, now that we've highlighted kind of both lists, talked about the win conditions, who do you think won the game? I'm going to go for the Orcs. And I would go for I the I think customers. someone who's uh, played Orcs and done that well um, at an event and gone to round four with Orcs tends to know what they're doing. That's fair. But both players apparently were slaughtering everyone. So it seems like, especially the fourth game in an event, when both players are undefeated with big scores, you know it's going to be a tight battle because both of those guys are so good. I just feel like orcs have more tools to deal with the current edition, personally. And I feel, even though it might be close, I, I could see it being something like a 70 to 50 or something like that in favor of the orcs. Right on. Brandon? I'd go with the game is more middle, so like maybe closer to 50 points per side, because I think both players are going to deny a lot of points on the primary. Because um, it's going to be really back and forth. It's going to be... Uh, you didn't get those objectives because I slaughtered you off of them. Oh yeah, well I slaughtered you off your objectives, I think, is going to be how this game goes. Um, Or very cagey. And either way, it's going to be hard to score lots of points on the primary. Um, But I think the Custodes player takes it by less than 10 points. Wow. Um, You both did actually really well. Uh, So the win was Aaron Cook the Custodes player, ah. he beat the Orc player 66 to 51. Ah, so, so I got Starry, the points right. You said, yeah, you got the points right, but you didn't get the, the result right. But you were both correct. It looked like it was a really low-scoring game. Unfortunately, we don't have the results, uh, what secondaries they picked and all that stuff specifically. I would have loved to have seen how the points breakdown happened um, and what went down. But uh, moving on, Aaron Cook, the Custodes player, 
um, moved and played the the final game against James Kelling, a Harlequins Eldar mixed Eldar Harlequins player, um, and he lost to him in the final round, uh, fifty four to eighty seven. So it was it was a it was a sound beating. Um, when Harlequins tech I, I to beat kind Marines, that. Uh, you're, go ahead. When Harlequins tech to beat Marines, you're going to have a bad day as a Custodes player. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and this game uh, was uh, first place James Kelly, second place Nathan Bates. Necrons, Harlequins, Eldar. Um, so it was it was a it was a particularly good tournament. Um, and then both uh, Aaron Cook and the Orc player Joshua Thomas both ended up um, getting um, placing in the top ten. I think Joshua Thomas came in fourth place at the event. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Fifth place at the event, and Aaron Cook came in like seventh place. So. Uh, both of them end up going four and one. Uh, Josh Thomas finished his game with a win, uh, his final game with a win, eighty nine to eighty five. <laughs> so, uh, wow, which kind of makes sense, right? The orc That's list close. is the, the orc list is against certain lists just designed to score points. It's like okay, I can't I can't beat this kind of list, but I'm I'm gonna score points that way, and you're not gonna kill me, and I probably can't kill you, but that's okay. Um, so I'm not surprised there at all. Um, re- really, really interesting matchup. Thank you both for breaking that down. That was uh, that was was really insightful. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the live patron questions. If we have any patrons watching, now is the time to ask those questions. Um, but we're going to go ahead and read off the patron questions. So if you weren't listening at the beginning of the episode. At the end of every episode, we like to answer questions, open the floor and answer questions for our patrons. Uh, we answer them live on air. And it can be about anything. Usually it's about the topic, but not always. For this week, we asked them about the tech stuff. And we're going to jump right into it with patron Kelsey. Do you think 40k will ever get to a point where TOs have such have to ban the use of electronic devices that allow for communication? Like uh, other games in competitive real life, like MTG and stuff. I mean, like, what? Unless you're like on stream or like physically telling people what's going on. If you're like on a chess clock or whatever, and you're like texting, and it's on like your time or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, if you're not paying attention to what's happening in the game, like at the moment, you're and you're not in the zone. Like, you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time, regardless of who's telling you what to do, because it forty k is a very much like be involved in what's going on in front of you type of game yeah you can have a voice in your ear but unless you're describing it to them or someone else is describing the game to them it'd need to have like multiple people assisting you because of how much work would be involved it's gonna get spotted um yeah i think so so here i'm gonna play a counterpoint to both of you um and i don't necessarily disagree with both of you but as the game progresses um, to more and more um, stats and 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 uh, <clears throat> all that like all that kind of stuff, uh, I feel like it would people would have more of a competitive advantage if they have access to specific information at their fingertips. Things like what secondaries are good against this specific player's list at this tournament. Like what what points has he given up? And I understand that that's all relative, of course, that always is. Um, however just having access to that at your fingertips i feel like you should have that competitive edge by doing your research ahead of time mm. instead of just at the table then yeah well, most um, people most people that for example you know use 40k coaching get that sort of information before they go to an event anyway so yeah exactly you know, they're getting and but it's it's hard to do like in the moment like 
you like okay if you're just about to go to a game you're still doing it beforehand you're to- talking to your friend or you're being like hey i'm playing this list or i might be playing this list you know and and you get like a crash course in what that army does like two seconds like you know before you even go to the table or whatever and you do it beforehand anyway but once the game starts like you're rolling dice for everything it's back and forth like it's there's almost no opportunity for you to be like hey bob like you know what should i take against this dude like once the game starts like an unwritten code like first of all it's like that would be not cool to just be like you know right like at the table kind of being like hey what should i do you know what i mean because then you're not playing the game you know what i mean but i don't think you need to ban electronics for that it's just kind of like you know like just i don't know it's not an issue that i've had to we're a long way from deal it with. being an issue yeah is i also think just professional wise like i i have always had a thing against um electronics at the tabletop uh Although I myself have used electronics at the tabletop. So, you know, like in an RTT and stuff, I, you know, absolutely. Although when I played Brandon uh, on stream at the BAO a couple years ago, I definitely was did not touch my phone at all. So I didn't want to be on stream touching my phone. So I don't know. Um, I agree with both of you. I don't I don't think there's any serious implications. Although I definitely could see their, the internet blowing up if there was one. Like if there was like an inkling, the, the, even the slightest chance that there was some sort of controversial cheating going on revolving around phone use at the table, it'll absolutely blow up um, 100% because it has a stigma attached to it. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's a very interesting topic. All right. Patron Robert wants to know how far is the backup streaming laptop for the next time Reese forgets it. Um, uh, For those of you who don't know, the signals last week was recorded uh, on my computer, on my computer webcam, with a mic that we had to drag from the desk because um, Reese forgot a streaming laptop and I forgot to remind him. So and I had to jerry rig my laptop the last second to stream and run the. It was just it was a great. It was um, an absolute error that will not happen again. But um, uh, on a more serious note, so he's got a real question uh, because we all know how games never finish on time during an average game. How much time could wait wait wait? Do you want to do you want to on do you want to just repeat the first part of that 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 question please on a more serious note okay no no just right after that because we all know how games never finish on time mm, i disagree with that i agree i disagree with that as well <laughs> okay but um yeah i play horde armies and i tend to finish okay uh, but, but what is the question sorry the second question the... <laughs> which i think is more relative during an average game how much time could be saved if everyone would use apps and then are there any special plans for special tournament apps that automatically link play with players to have the same information such as chess clocks and stuff. But uh, the second part of the question, I don't know. But the first part of the question. I think you don't need apps, but something like a chess clock is a great idea. Especially if you're finding that your games aren't finishing. Like, train yourself to finish your games by using a chess clock. Yeah, I think eventually apps will help you play faster. Like, again, my augmented reality where you can see how far you're moving your models so you don't have to get the tape measure out. Great. But we're so far away from a lot of that stuff, we don't have to worry about it right now. So yeah, I think right now, if you need if if you need an app to finish your game now, well, I guess you'd be me. Um, I guess if if you're not finishing your game games right now and you're refusing to use the things already available to you to, to speed up your game, I think like you're you're more borderline toxic uh, than actually like yeah, technology's you know, not you know, going to save you. Right, right, but. Um, I definitely would like to see 
apps speed up the game and make it more palatable for viewers to watch online um, at tournaments, right? That's that's the big thing, right? It's, I don't think it's necessarily a sportsmanship issue where um, we have these problems that need to be resolved by making the games faster. I think to make the game better and more competitive and more professional, I think we need these apps to make the games just go faster, just to have them go faster, right? I want like eight rounds in a day in the same amount of time it would do, you know, four rounds, right? I, that's what I want. To me, That's that shows... Uh, how much more competitive the game is when players are able to play more games. Um, it really does, you know, cause it is a luck game, right? And luck is going to happen. Um, and the like games like magic that have like 16, you know, rounds, 16 to 20 rounds over a day, two day event, they allow you to have losses because they understand that luck happens right now. Obviously competitive 40 K player, the best competitive 40 K players do manage to rise to the top regardless of that luck. So, it, you know, it's not, like, this imperative thing that we need to fix, but it would be nice. All right. Patron TJ wants to know, is technology always the right way to go to learn and make things quicker, or is the old pen and paper actually writing things out a better way to learn? Uh, pen and paper can easily be improved upon. So, if it's better, use it. I think it depends on the person. Yeah, you you know, it depends on how you learn best. Some some people learn by, you know, going over everything in their head or, or f- filming themselves or recording themselves talking or whatever it is. If some people write stuff down, it sort of like gets ingrained in their brain. I'm a very visual sort of like person. So when I make an army list, for example... I use pen and paper a lot of the time and I not only write down the army list, but I'll make the army list sort of like in little circles. Like I'll actually put bases like on a piece of paper and visualize what the army physically looks like. And that tends to give me like a very good understanding of what the composition of an army is without actually like having to physically put it on the table, I can just kind of write, like draw little circles. And it's like, okay, 20 little cultists over here and 10 space marines over here. And it like gives me like a visual representation on paper. And that's very helpful for me personally. That's interesting. I definitely don't build armies that way. I tend to use Microsoft Excel and equations to automatically update lists as I add and remove units. But that's because I use I that use all the time. I use Notepad and then I put my list uh, physically somewhere on the table, like the models themselves. No, my list is basically a collection of numbers somewhere. <laughs> That's, that makes sense. Um, okay, uh, patron Tim wants to know, why do some people resist the idea of technology in our gaming experience? Will we ever see a day where paper rules are a thing of the past? Well, we just answered that in Skari's case, it's not improving the way he makes the list if he doesn't use pen and paper, because he's already got a great meso- method for visualizing what he's doing. So in that case... If the old method is already doing exactly what you want and the new method is not, then you're going to have resistance to the new method. I think I agree with that. That's, yeah. Um, People are just, it's comfort. It's all about comfort. But, um, okay, patron Tim, final question. Patron Tim wants to know, what technology is the most controversial and why? And then what technology would the hosts like to see in competitive 40K? Technology related to 40K controversial? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Or, uh, or maybe in general, I imagine it would be related to 40k. Cause like, 
you could think of any limitless amounts of controversial technology that we could fit into a 40k game. Um, uh, but I imagine specifically as it pertains to 40k. Like, I feel like controversially, it's it's hard to sort of like, it's hard to fathom like a piece of gear or something that would be controversial. Like an implant that literally goes, you know, hey, um, you could tell it what a, like, tell me about his list and what combos he's going to be running or whatever, you know, and like what like stratagems he has already planned. You know, and or like before while you're moving, like you've got these like fancy Google glasses on or whatever that's telling you while you're putting your deep striker down, don't forget about all spec scan, you know, that sort of stuff. Like that Ooh. I could see being like, you know, controversial. You know, in terms of like but that's I guess, you know, down the road. <laughs> yeah, to quote Kelsey Ito from our our live chat. Um, saying dice rollers are controversial, and I'd say it is. I don't think it's a very well-understood technology, and as long as there's not one app that everyone knows is good, then there's going to be some trepidation there if you're unfamiliar with how it works, saying, is this person trying to cheat me? And I like Pablo's solution, which is, well, if they're using the app, it's good for me too. But yeah, that's probably the most controversial contemporary existing system but in the future i'd expect some of the new stuff that gw is rolling out to be quote-unquote controversial simply because first of all everyone at all levels of the game is going to be using it and second because gw is not a tech company so i expect it to take longer than typical for those to be super polished amazing devices to use yeah, so I, I agree with you. Um, I think that in our history, uh, 40K history, dice apps were probably the most controversial technology. Um, chess clocks were controversial at one point, although not the most controversial. Uh, uh, now they're more standardized. Um, but currently right now, we're, we're actually luckily not experiencing one that I think would be even more controversial than dice apps, and that's the GW app. The GW app is official. There are going to be people who don't pay any attention to Facebook or anything like that, um, and they're just going to use the app and assume that it's crystal clear, perfect, and accurate. But if, like, at the LVO, imagine if someone won, if someone created a list on the GW app that was illegal, right? And they and they didn't know it because they they didn't know about oh, the issues that GW was having. Right, yeah, right, and I, I could see that happening regularly. Or like, imagine if the GW app misprinted, like, uh, gave Locust Heavy Destroyers like an extra toughness, right? Or just something, whatever. So, a small minor mistake could absolutely ruin the game for someone, for both players. The guy who unintentionally cheated and the guy who cheated, or the guy who who got cheated. Um, so I think right now, um, GW is lucky that there isn't tournaments going on because. I feel like the GW app is already the most uh, controversial piece of technology in competitive 40k because of how many people um, really, really dislike it. Um, but it would be even more so if there were tournaments going on. Um, you know, we might even have to consider like banning it until it gets fixed or resolved, right? Because then TOs have to check every single list that's made on a GW app, right? So it's like, and we already had issues with Battlescribe in the past. You know, we had whole tournaments where Battlescribe lists were just wrong, or there was something going on with the Battlescribe list. You know, so it's, anyways. Yep, that's that's uh, 
that's an interesting uh, question there. So, um, patrons, while we're talking, uh, if you have any questions, now is the time to ask them uh, live. Although, it uh, looks like there's just uh, some talking going on. But, anyways, that's it. That was a really, really good conversation. Thank you, Brandon and Skari, uh, both of you. Um, I definitely am excited for the future of competitive 40k and how it pertains to technology and how we use it. Are there any final thoughts you two would like to add before we move on to the closing, move on to any potential patron questions and the closing of the episode? No final comments for me. You know, if you find, by the way, a piece of technology that you're really enjoying right now that you think is underappreciated or not really sort of like used very often or hasn't really been given like a chance, why don't you share it? You know, let us know what it is and how you're using it and how you're finding it to be useful. Yeah, absolutely. And while you're in that comment section, head on over to the YouTube search button and search up Scardcast, where you can support Scary and join his Patreon and listen to him talk about Meta Mondays. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we had one today, actually. Great conversations about the new Death Guard stuff that we're seeing, which is really awesome. Man, I'm I'm excited for Death Guard. Uh, they they're they're they've been a vanilla faction for a long time. Well, it's yeah. not a vanilla I'd like to eat. Mwah, yeah, mwah, let's mwah, mwah, stay mwah. away from that. <laughs> uh, and then, Brandon, do you have any plugs you want to plug? Not at this time. Okay, perfect. That is it. Thank you all so much for listening. You're all, of course, the best listeners in the world, whether you're a patron or not. And as always, have a good one.